Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is a show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And in this particular episode, only on Meta, by the way, that's it. We're not going to talk any Google, Cosm, nothing. Today is, the, today is the Meta day. Like we are going metaverse deep, talking Facebook and Instagram ads and messenger ads. And we are really excited to have uh, a couple of guys on this show here, which I don't know, it's like six or seven years in the making to get meta actually on perpetual traffic to drop some knowledge bombs about some of the things that are going on here. I'm pretty excited about this, aren't you? I mean, even no, as a Google I'm, guy. I'm deeply intimidated. It's like... <laughs> I'm so scared. I'm going to sound stupid. <laughs> you stupid. Oh, you're the one who gets all like, oh, Kasim is a genius and all the positive reviews. I don't want to burst people's bubbles when they find out like you put me up sitting next to like, I'm looking at these titles, solutions engineer, solutions architect. I'm like, everything I say is going to just sound stupid. Oh, it's so it's true. Not, yeah. Yeah. These guys are like. If I'm very quiet this whole episode. You know why. It's because I'm like in a corner trying to preserve whatever dignity I have left. Well, that's going to make it even more fun when I call you out <laughs> when you look really uncomfortable because I don't know if people realize this, but when we record, we record so we can actually see each other, but we're seeing yeah, each other. Yeah, we got video here. Yeah, we got video. And I don't know, we we should probably throw this out on Use YouTube it. or maybe on Facebook or... You're not... Ralph, you can't say YouTube. Oh, sorry. Call, Scratch that. Doing? Scratch yeah. that, Hector. Don't say anything about YouTube. <laughs> Because we're, we're all mad. I was going to be the first one to screw up. I've already screwed it up. <laughs> all right. So we've already ticked off our hosts here. We're waiting patiently in the perpetual traffic green room. Although it's not really green where they are, but it's just sort of a figure of speech. Um, but I just do want to remind you before we get into today's conversation, a big shout out, a big thank you for everyone who has left us a review. There's like, how many reviews do we have now? Five, 600, I think. Yeah, think 600, 600 and change mostly positive every now and then there's a one star which you know we don't really like those but we do find them kind of funny so we do read those on the air but we really really like the four and five star reviews especially the ones that don't say that Kasim is a genius we like those especially and we will read them on air uh, just because i think today's a humbling episode for for Kasim. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because usually he's the tough guy, but today he's intimidated. So I'm going to, this is really going to be enjoyable for me, but uh, for anyone who wants to leave a review, uh, a positive review, preferably and honest, let's not forget that. We want to be honest here. We will read it out on the air and make you perpetual traffic famous for at least, I don't know, 17 seconds or so. So uh, leave your ratings on the show. We'll try and uh, we will, we will read them on the show. I say we'll try. We're not going to try. We're going to read them. So today's conversation is with uh, Sean Bedford. 
and Ben Lampert. Sean is the solutions engineer for Meta, and Ben is the solutions architect. I'm going to say he's the solutions architect and the solutions engineer for Meta. Like there's nobody else, but there's probably other people like him, but we got the two smartest guys here today on today's show. And we're going to be talking about uh, CAPI integration. We're going to be talking about attribution. We're not going to talk about how much we like or dislike Apple. That's one of the things we're definitely not going to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some things that I think you've never heard on a podcast ever, not to pump it up too much, uh, but we're going to be back with Sean and Ben right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wilders and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hey, PT listeners, this is Hector Santi Esteban. And not many people know this, but I actually got my start in digital marketing doing chatbots. And I was fascinated by the type of experience you could create for your customers. I mean, the level of automation and personalization you can create without a ton of technical knowledge is kind of crazy. So if you're looking to increase and automate your lead flow, our friend Matt Leitz from Bot Builders put together a free training that'll show you how to get started. To watch it, go to botwebinar.com. That's B-O-T webinar.com. And you can sign up for this free training. All right, we are back. We've got Sean Bedford and Ben Lampert from Meta. Like we have people from Meta on Perpetual Traffic. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello, Ralph. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. They, they don't sound quite as excited as, as we are, but I, I think, think once we've been getting... forced to do that. Somebody <laughs> made them come on the podcast, and this is like Ralph calling in every favor he's ever had, and they just want to get through it. No, no, to be honest, I'm I'm intimidated by Kasim here. I've been told he's the genius, so uh, we're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to w watch this one and see how we go. 
don't forget the long flowing locks and uh, the mellifluous voice, which I believe is another, you know, I don't know. Was that in there? No, maybe I'm just we'll making go that up. Google that word. What we'll we'll go Google. See, see, they're already raising our levels of intelligence here, having a, a solutions yeah. engineer and a solutions architect on the show. So uh, really excited to, to talk with you guys here today. Uh, maybe we should just start on the basics. Like uh, we wanted to have you on the show because we've talked about a lot with regard to attribution, with regard to server-side tagging, with regard to iOS, with regard to pretty much everything that's happened in the last year. Not that anything really happened all that much on social media advertising in 2021, but we're kind of coming out the other end now where you know we're seeing that from a high volume Facebook and Instagram ad agency, which is basically what we are, uh, we're seeing much better data. We're seeing a lot of our customers kind of emerging from this, looking at their business in a different way. But I think it's the result of Meta doing the work in order to help a lot of those people, a lot of those businesses, a lot of those companies, agencies like mine. And a lot of that has to do with conversions API and visibility and EMQ matching and all these other sorts of things that we're going to be talking about here today. So maybe I'll just throw the question over to you guys, like at a base level, what exactly is conversions API? And from your perspective and Meta's perspective, why is it so important? Yeah, so conversions API is a way of taking direct control over your kind of data ecosystem. It's a way to control what data gets sent out and how. You can do it in a way that replicates exactly the way and website activity happens right now. And you can also kind of expand on it and do things a little bit differently, right? You can also do it in a way that is entirely consistent with your privacy policy and, and any kind of, you know, privacy best practices that you want. So it's a direct connection to Meta and it's, it's a way of kind of building for the future and a way of sharing data that is increasingly privacy safe. So uh, why should advertisers consider using it? If you've been listening to perpetual traffic, you should probably know the answer to this, but there are new listeners here that we want to make sure they understand exactly sort of what we're going to be discussing. But why should advertisers consider using it? And, and what are the real big benefits that you'd see if you're running uh, Facebook, Instagram, meta ads at this point? So the primary value prop is around what we call resilience. It's it's a way of understanding the context of this, you know, browser-based ecosystem and increasingly like browsers and non-browsers, all sorts of ways of sending data in to different platforms. The so yeah, the, the value prop is to say you now have entire control over how that data gets sent. You are no longer beholden to any of the interference that a browser today might have. This allows you to, you know, not only utilize like cookie IDs and, and stuff that has worked in the past and may not continue to work. You can also supplement with additional data points to help augment your signal, augment how your data gets sent into Meta. And that in turn, while not guaranteed, has shown to improve performance. I heard guarantee, Ralph. You heard that too. The guaranteed we're improving performance. <laughs> Well, guaranteed to try, there, but it is the best practice. Guaranteed to try. I like that. Yeah. 
Ben, can I say what I think it is like a dumb? Because you said that really intelligently, and I'm I'm gonna dumb it down for anybody else who maybe doesn't understand it quite as well. And then and then you spot check my 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 language. The way that I've looked at conversions API or my understanding of it is I'm basically I'm lifting the veil in probably my CRM, and I'm bolting it into the back end of Facebook on a basically line by line basis, like choosing to share this data point, this data point, this data point in a way that, and I shouldn't say Facebook, I'm sorry, I should say Meta, bolting it on the back of, of Meta in a way that allows the connected loop to fill in the gaps of what was lost previously. Is that, I realize that's probably a toddler in a sandbox attempting to explain what you do, but like, I mean, how, how close did I get? Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty close. You know, I think the, the way to, so you can think of it as like bolting your CRM or some sort of database you know, at, at the start, this could just replicate exactly what happened on the website. And if you capture all of that within your database, you now have a new route to send that to, right? I think of it as a newly paved road that you have entire control over. What is also cool about the conversions API, and, and this is an additional value prop, is you might have data within your CRM that isn't necessarily present on the website. This could be an offline channel. This could be app data, you know, just other things that happen. We think about like, well, there's a lot of subscriptions out there and people sign up for something and that typically happens on a website, but then their credit card gets charged and that is not typically an action somebody takes that would be captured you know, in a browser and therefore, but it would be captured in your CRM and, and we've built products and features around that kind of functionality. So it is you know, primarily a, a privacy safe way of sharing data that replicates a website experience. And increasingly it's a way to really get closer business, like closer to your primary business value in, in how the data gets sent over to Meta. So it's a tool as an outgrowth of this thing, this iOS 14 update that fundamentally changed a lot of advertisers and how they view a lot of their data and especially everything within the ads manager. I mean, that was, that was a disruptive event for a lot of advertisers. And from your guys perspective, doing what you're doing right now, how have you seen a lot of which we've discussed ad nauseum here on the show, you know, from mid 2020 onward, how has conversions API and some of the work that you do, had an effect on advertisers to enable them to have a bit more visibility, control their data, obviously within the terms of service and privacy policies that are in their individual websites. Like what impact has your work done on those individual businesses and or agencies since you started doing what you're doing? Yeah, so there were there were sort of two things that came in parallel with iOS 14. Converges APIs actually existed for longer. Converges API has been around since mid 2019 or thereabouts uh, but obviously uh, any, anyone who's in the digital advertising industry unless you're under a rock knows about ios 14 and some of the changes that came with it so there were really two big things that came out at that point in time apple introduced this app tracking transparency prompts which gave users choice over sharing or not sharing data asking apps to track or not track and apple also released an update to something called stalker ad network or scan which is their measurement methodology for app install campaigns Converges API doesn't help currently with app install at all. It's a web-based technology for web events rather than for app events. But in the space of web, 
what Apple have also been working on for quite a while now is something that they're calling private click measurement or PCM, which was also released as a beta in their mobile Safari browser as part of iOS 14. So where we went with the iOS 14 work was to try to understand, okay, that user's opt-in is important. We need to respect that user's choice to either be tracked or not tracked for advertising purposes. So we effectively delineated these two different approaches, one of which was the, the opted in user, the user's given us permission. And when you're going down that road, the existing meta technologies continue to work. So you've got the web pixel, you've got conversions API, which is our more robust way of doing that. And you've got the app SDKs for app events. Then we've got the opted out worlds where you've got Stalker ad network on iOS, and you've also got something that we call aggregated events measurement or AEM for web events. And that tries to do this in a more privacy safe way. Again, you can do that same sending of events via the web pixel or via Converges API. So the way that we looked at this is Converges API, you can think of as the, the analogy I often use is the pipe work. So if you're in a web browser and you're using the JavaScript pixel, you're effectively renting a pipe between your website and Meta. And the pipe is actually owned by the web browser, if it's owned by Safari or Chrome. And what that gives the browser the ability to do is insert these arbitrary filters in the data that's flowing through that pipe. In the world of conversions API, there's an uplift to get onboarded to it in the first place. But after you've done that, you've now built your own pipe. So you're in complete control of it and you're in complete control of what's flowing through it. Now, I think what's going to change over time, and I'm sure we're going to see more of this, the stuff flowing through the pipe is going to be different. Right now, that's user-level event data. And sometimes, as Asgassim rightly pointed out, you might tie that back to a CRM, augment those events with information about your customer. You know, like their opt-in state is a really important thing, but also things like their email address or their telephone number or something that we can use to reconcile those records on our side and do something useful with them. But I think we'll also see more use cases where aggregated events measurement comes into play and we're doing some kind of aggregated cohorted groups learning of data through the pipe. So the pipe is still important. You still need the pipe. Otherwise you can't get the data from A to B, but that data is going to change over time. So this is why we're kind of in positioning back to your question, Ralph, uh, Cappy as an important step on this journey. It's not the only one, but it's an important step for businesses to be prepared for that future state where they're going to see further erosion of the ability to send data in the web browser. And Cappy is our answer to that in a way that gives them some reassurance that what they send actually gets to the other end in the same way that it sends it. Got it. And I think this, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the differences between first and third party data. We've discussed it here many times on the show, but your perspective, like what is, what is the difference? Why is this distinction so important? Why should businesses care so much about it? Yeah. So just to start with some definitions, right? First party data, data gathered by observing user behavior on a website or mobile app. So it's like the thing that owns the website collects the data. Third party is when that data is shared between two business entities, typically business entities, right? So it could be website, could be mobile app, could be even offline, you know, store uh, purchases and stuff like that. But that is shared elsewhere, right? So first party, it's kind of owned, third party is shared. 
that's typically, yeah, again, how we see the distinction, right? And, and that starts to play into, okay, once that data is gathered, what is the you know, advertiser's ecosystem for controlling that data? Is it shareable because of privacy policy or even technical reasons? And if it is, what are the best practices in terms of how to share it? Makes sense. So when we have customers that are, well, we've had lots of customers that have been impacted by Apple iOS. First party data is that we've noticed that one of the one, one of the main things that I think got them, I wouldn't say through last summer more easily, but they were prepared well in advance is that they were already collecting first party data. They were already collecting stuff that is in effect going straight into their CRM leads in most cases. Is a part of your solution, and obviously there's a there's a you know there's a lead ad that actually occurs on Facebook as well, which is another way in which to do it. Like when you are working on individual customers, whether it's consulting or whether it's advising their teams, what recommendations do you have outside of Cappy and Cappy Gateway? And we'll get into sort of the differences between those two in just a second. Do you make any recommendations on? the importance of first-party data, and if they're not doing it, what they should do to at least mitigate some of the loss and visibility that they may or may not have seen since the middle of last year. We tend not to make recommendations about the type of data that should be collected, but in terms of best practices, the typical recommendation in the walkthrough that we go through with an advertiser would be, how do you make sure that you have a cohesive data strategy? End-to-end, this is about all of the data that you get off of users relating to users, about users, about your services, about, you know, if you're in e-commerce, shipping goods to that person as well. But it's also about where does that data go after you receive it. So by that, I mean, yes, into a CRM and into your own first party data storage. But then beyond that, where are you sending it? Which partners are you working with? Are you sending it to ads platforms such as Meta or Google? Are you, um, are you sharing that data for, you know, if you're a loan application company, are you sharing that data with a credit referencing agency for fraud detection? Uh, all of these sorts of things are really important considerations and I think will increasingly become more important as users get to have more of a say due to legislation in how their data is being used. So typically that's how we'd approach it is how do you think as a business about data in, data processing and data out? Yeah, and, and just to add on that, you know, some of the conversations we have is, you know, to say, okay, if anyone were to visit your site, kind of what, at what point in the journey on the website, do you know anything about this user? Sometimes it's only once they've converted, there's a purchase, you have an email, you know, value and all that good stuff. And then, so some of that, and then you say, okay, of all the things that happen on your website, which is the most important? And sometimes the answer is the same. It's the purchase, where they have the data. And, and that's guided a lot of the conversations. You say, okay, well, that's actually where you have a lot of data. And then future conversations is, well, what about the rest of the site? What about the rest of the funnel? How do we understand that? While this isn't necessarily part of our recommendations, some of the behaviors I see on websites now is a pop-up asking for, an email address and a 10% discount, or you sometimes spin a wheel to get some sort of promotion. Seeing that asked for upfront to me 
as a solutions architect, I think, oh, that's allowing a website to then establish an identity at the earliest point possible. And some people will take them up on it and some people won't. But to me that like, again, I can't recommend that necessarily, but I, as a consumer, I see that behavior and I recognize what it could mean in terms of data usage. hundred percent. And I think the, uh, the only reason I asked you that question before, cause I've asked that an awful lot. My answer is I preface everything was, I'm not your privacy attorney. However, having said that here is what I do recommend, but before you do that, you should probably tighten up your own terms of service, privacy policy, protect yourself from legal first and foremost. It's interesting. We had uh, an independent party look at, you know, what we spent our money on in 2021. And one of the, one of the larger expenses was legal. And it was because of this. And I look at that as like an insurance policy. And this has been happening for the last couple of years. We need to make sure that we're, we're compliant with, you know, the European rules, the U.S. rules, no matter what, that we make sure that we're protecting ourselves and you as a business. People are like, oh, I don't want to hire an attorney to be able to do that. Can I just go on legal Zoom and do it? I don't know where they, I wouldn't recommend where they get it from, but before you start capturing any sort of first party data, and you gave a great answer, is own that data as much as you possibly can, even pre-purchase transaction, even if it is for a coupon code, like that's a smart strategy. And, but before you do that, you got to make sure that all your ducks are in a row. And it sounds like, you know, what you guys recommend and what we certainly recommend on our side are, are one of the same. I think this is one of these big challenges is as we see this explosion of legislation in this space, there's just more and more and more of it. Your, your typical business, especially your small business, is just not going to be able to keep up with all of it. Right. You know, like the, one of the great things about the internet has been the, you know, I'm going to air quote it. Everyone can't see this, but I'm air quoting the democratization of data and the ability for businesses to be able to open up to new audiences. And that is actually at risk in this new world because those smaller businesses that would previously just be able to set up a website and go and do stuff now have 20 different pieces of legislation that they need to deal with in 20 different countries. And they need 20 different legal experts to be able to figure out if they're allowed to do something or not. And I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And at Meta, we're trying to look at this from the perspective of how do we simplify that? How can we give businesses the tools they need to still operate in this rapidly changing world without needing to be experts on all of these different rules and all of these different regimes? A hundred percent. And that's, that's not necessarily the fun answer. So call your attorney first before <laughs> I give you an answer here, but it's actually probably the smart one, especially if you're a real business and you guys deal with some pretty large businesses, you know? So we don't deal with some of the sizes that you all are dealing with. But the point is, is you got to protect yourself first. You can never have a take the company down moment. So do that first and foremost. And if you're dealing with the owner operator, you're an owner operator and you're listening to this show, make sure that you do have your privacy policy and your terms of service up to date before you start doing anything that we're going to be recommending here or not recommending here on the show. So we've talked about. Hey, it's Kasim here and I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? 
It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue and you've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process, if you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Hey, PT listeners, when's the last time your business published on its blog? If the answer is, that's way too long for me to remember, I want you to listen up because our friends at BKA Content have a new service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BK is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. Conversions API. I haven't talked too much about Conversions API and Cappy Gateway as of yet. Uh, we also want to talk about Cossum uh, and, his, and his famous Facebook hack and what your guys' take is on it. This this should be interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, you can answer or not answer. We'll just edit your answers out in case you get Cossum in trouble. Actually, if you get Cossum in trouble, that's even better. But the point is, no, if is you that- prove me wrong, we'll edit it right out. <laughs> It'll just have never happened. It's no, and so far he's like won every won every debate on this one. But uh, so we've talked about. Did you know companies that blog consistently receive 67% more leads than those that don't? Now, that feels obvious, right, when you hear it, but it's still a really surprising statistic. Consistent blogging is so important to growing a business, but who has the time to research keywords, come up with topics, write content? It's a nightmare. BKA Content, a content writing agency with 10 years of experience, offers monthly SEO blog writing service where they'll do it all for you. All of your monthly blog posts delivered directly to your inbox, 100% ready to publish. Go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. If you're not A-B testing on your site and doing optimization experiments, you're leaving serious money on the table. Not only can it keep your business from growing, it gives your competition an edge over you. Luckily, our friends at Conversion Fanatics have run thousands of conversion rate optimization experiments every year for clients like Clorox, Burt's Bees, Dr. Axe, Magnolia, ClickFunnels, and many more. They optimize your site for you so you can get more customers, scale your traffic faster, and see more profit to your bottom line. If you're interested in how you can optimize your website, you can get their number one Amazon bestseller for free by going to conversionfanatics.com forward slash free book. 
That's conversionfanatics.com forward slash F-R-E-E-B-O-O-K. Go download it today so you can learn how to double your customers, sales, and profits with A-B testing. A lot of stuff here. Uh, We will be talking about that. And we'll be right back after this quick break. All right, welcome back to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. If you don't know what I'm saying, then you've changed something on your podcast player and you're on another podcast, but hopefully you're still with us here. We are with Sean Bedford, Solution Engineer, and Ben Lampert, Solution Architect for Meta. And this is the part I'm going to enjoy probably the most, is uh, talking about easier ways to integrate Cappy through Cappy Gateway, but more importantly, Facebook's, uh, I don't know where they stand on this, but I know Kasim has created a great amount of controversy in the, in the Twitterverse and the social media verse about this little hack that everyone says he's a genius on. So I want you guys to disprove him here and tell him that he's really not that smart. So How could you root against me, Ralph? We're <laughs> friends. Uh, so I'll, I'll do my best to be quick and mostly for the sake of our listeners, because I'm sure they're just sick of hearing me say this. Here's what we did. Ben, you actually already spoke to it. You said that people were collecting first-party data and attempting to do so at the point of conversion. And the sooner you can move up the conversion, the faster you get that first-party data. So we're basically all out there begging for you know an email opt-in, newsletter sign-up, whatever. High-end lead magnets. Well, we cheated, and I'm using air quotes now, so I'm borrowing Sean's air quotes. What we did is, initially we used Hotjar and then we ended up custom coding it ourselves because there were some limitations to Hotjar. But if you're not familiar with Hotjar, it's a screen recording software. We used Hotjar to record the screen of new inbound users from Facebook ads. And then we created predictive indications of intent. So did they go to my pricing page, for instance, or did they visit you know two and a half plus pages on average, or the time on site was X. And we created conversion actions for each of those predictive indications of intent inside of Facebook. And Hotjar captures the entire screen, including the URL. And we parsed out the Facebook click ID. And then using Facebook conversion API, we dropped those predictive indications of intent inside of Facebook as though this user already converted with the idea being we can juice the algorithm by saying, hey, this person didn't sign up or buy yet but they got a little bit closer than others did. And especially for some of my lower spend clients who saw zero signs of life, when we did this, we saw a nice big up. And then some of my other campaigns actually saw some pretty significant returns. Now, I'm not a Facebook ad agency, as you know, and so my, my data is anecdotal. I don't have a large enough data set to really prove this, or have I, and, and I also haven't spent enough money to, to be able to say definitively. I know people that have. Ralph and I are actually in a mastermind with a young man that took this idea and built an entire business around it now, but I'm, I'm going to pause here and hear how stupid I am. Not, I would say not stupid. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, li- Sorry, listening to... I just through... did a little dance for our listeners. Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> just don't break your mic. Listening through the the hack in in air quotes kind of doesn't sound like a hack. It sounds like closer to a best practice, right? So to be clear, right, w- when I hear about this sort of solution, I think about okay, what are the events? And, and you described it very well. You you know sort of figured out intent, and you you know mapped those to different events that you could send through conversions API, right? 
you also figured out the identity piece, right? Which I think was around a click ID, right? You were able to look at the URL, figure out a click ID, right? Which is a form of quote, first party cookie that is set, right. you know, from meta. Um, so that's great. That's supported in the, in, so maybe the only thing I push back on is whether or not that's actually a hack. It's, it sounds like you, you did the right thing. Ralph, yeah. are you hearing I, this? Sorry, Sean, keep I, going. I, I think, sorry to say, Ralph, because uh, he was right that this is, this is workable, viable, does make sense. I mean, what you've effectively done is you're, you're, you're using Hotjar to build some kind of indicator of propensity, propensity modeling. It's a well-known term. And then you're trying to tie that back to user identity. So if you have the FP click ID, that's great. You can use it. If you don't, you could technically use your CRM data if you knew something else about the consumer and you're sending the events back. I think the one call out I will make is that we on our side don't really have a good understanding of the event that you're using is a predicted event and not a real event. So this is one thing to be aware of. And you know, I advise your listeners to be aware of this as well as they try this. By all means, try this. But your mileage may vary depending on the type of event you use. So yeah, you, you, can, think... you could dummy yourself into maybe offering predictive indications that aren't predictive or yeah. aren't predictive enough. I totally understand. It's more rope and, and you know you could potentially hang yourself with it. Totally. So yeah, if you wanted to use purchase, for example, you, you think that user's going to purchase something and you send us a purchase event, that's going to be combined on our side with all of the actual purchase events. And then you're maybe missteering the delivery algorithm to think that not real purchases have equal value to real purchases. And we may end up finding people who are likely to purchase but never do rather than the ones who actually buy. So, you know, there's a few things to be a little bit careful about within there, about like which event. Like, I'd recommend trying things. We have test and learn facilities to do that kind of test. You know, you can test, do an A-B test or something, for example, and try and work out which event works better. Uh, but yeah, but in, in general, the idea is that. So a follow-up question. How awkward is it if I tell you both that I love you deeply? I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> you guys have no idea what you've done for me. Ralph <laughs> is giving me such a hard time here. And the vindication, oh, I'm never going to let this go. I'm such a sore winner. Y'all have no idea. This is just amazing fodder. It's years to come. Well, I mean, this is this Glad is the proof right here. So you are finally vindicated. I guess all those reviews saying you're a genius were actually true after all. My mom wrote literally 95% of those. <laughs> My question on the, the Cosm, I, I guess we can't really call it a hack anymore. I yeah. like best practice better. The best Cosm best practice. Yeah. Cosm Strategy. best practice. Right. I, yeah, That's right. I, uh, I see a, a URL coming somewhere along the line. Possumsbestpractice.com. Is there an issue with this? And this is, you know, we're actively testing this, right? Like I should say, we're we're not completely um, skeptical on any and all of this, but we're testing one, two, three, four, I think five different solutions right now, as well as integrating Cappy and Cappy Gateway. So it's not like we're just sitting twiddling our thumbs here. So one of those solutions is this. Is there an issue, and this is maybe where my dev, my lack of dev knowledge sort of detracts from the whole conversation, but is there an issue with this on deduping, which would then give you a false positive signal because you'd be, in essence, double tracking or double reporting on a singular event? Is there any, or is that just a totally out of the way comment? Because... 
a lot of folks in the in the dev world and they have that as one of their issues with this particular solution yeah this this potentially an issue with us which is kind of tied to the point i just mentioned around you know sending predictive purchases versus actual purchases we we can't necessarily tell the difference between the two so you know in in as manager if you're looking at attribution reporting for example a purchase is a purchase that's what gets attributed it's on the event name level right if you want to do something fancy you could use custom conversions. You could use, you know, a custom conversion tweaked off a event parameter or any of these other things to try and do the GP application that way. But what's going into the optimization system is the event you send, not the custom conversion that later on happens. So, you know, there's a potential for that. And my recommendation would be use different events for predicted versus actual. Again, your mileage may vary by doing that. Test it, test it, test it. But uh, yeah, you're completely right, Ralph. There is there is a risk that we we double count something for the predicted and then the actual that occurs later. I just like what he said. Just let's pause for a second. Uh, you're completely right there, Ralph. Just I just wanted to add that on to what you were saying. <laughs> you see, Ralph trying to ride this wave of mine. Do y'all see this? You're not going to steal this glory train, brother. This is mine. One note is, and I don't know why this is because I don't have the te- technical wherewithal to even begin to understand it. But I, I have maybe some guesses. It, Standard events is what worked for us. When we when we attempted to use this with custom events, it it didn't seem to show the same signs of life for whatever reason. Yeah, so I'll say it here. We, we don't actually talk about this very much externally, but it's, it's pretty well known. Um, standard events have specific optimization models and custom events have a generic optimization model. Hmm. The reason for that is like purchase, add to cart, view content, those, those mean something. something. Right. Yeah. Whereas custom events, you know, my custom crazy event, foo one, foo two, foo three, we have no idea what they mean. So it's pretty hard for us to optimize towards those in the same way. So, yeah, when you try purchase events or something like that, like specific optimization designed for the meaning that, you know, value has been exchanged there. My custom crazy event five, it's just another event and it goes into the big custom events pool and we don't really know how to differentiate it from any other custom event. So let me just back that out because that's a really important point. And we actually had an internal conversation on this yesterday is that when we capture a lead at tier 11, we use the lead event, the lead standard event. And it doesn't populate that day, but it's pretty darn accurate. When we compare it to ConvertKit or wherever we're, I guess it is ConvertKit, three days out, they almost match exactly. And that's our, that's our AM, that's our highest value event. But what we're seeing is our submit application, which is custom conversion, custom event. I forget which one it actually is. Doesn't ever show because it's after the highest value event. But in this hack, this best practice, sorry. Best practice, Cosm, thank you, Rob. <clears throat> I'm okay. not even air quoting best practice. It might make sense to install something like this for the predictive event, which is the thing that happens after the lead. They come in, they're a lead, and then do they submit an application to work with us kind of thing. So it's it's not an event. We shouldn't prioritize it because it doesn't happen as much as the lead event, but it's potentially predictive and could be used in this best practice custom model. Or am I getting too yeah, in the weeds yes. here? No, it's, it's still part of your funnel, right? So if, if that's one step further up your funnel that someone is predicted to convert, then you know there's probably value in knowing that and optimizing to it um you know i think there's a whole wealth of stuff i've talked about internally with our product teams about 
trying to better understand predictive outcomes. Um, so, you know, for background, I used to work with our mobile app advertisers. So I used to work a lot with, you know, subscriptions businesses like Spotify and uh, Netflix and that ilk, where, you know, they have a monthly subscription and people either retain and come back and pay their next month's subscription or they leave. And understanding the likelihood of someone to resubscribe is actually pretty important because if you, if you have someone that's, you know, 5% likely to stay, they're going to go away probably. There's no point in wasting ad money trying to retain them. If they're 100% likely to stay, there's also no point in wasting any ad money on them. But the ones on the fence, the ones 50% likely to stay, maybe there's something they're worth focusing on. And, you know, I think for, for that kind of modeling, when you, when you go into the world of AEM and prioritizing your events, understanding that is actually pretty valuable because that gives you something that you can steer the algorithm towards to say, yeah, people like this, do something specific with them. Right. You know, for our listeners, the magic now becomes, the real strategy becomes choosing the right predictive event. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. iterative, you know, it's testing over time. It's trying to figure it out, but you, you have to dive deep into the psychology of a user, uh, understand what, and maybe more to the point, build honey traps. There needs to be things on your site that can, you know, like, this is why I hate single page websites. And I realize you can do anchoring and there's ways to model it, but if you're not giving people the opportunity to traverse multiple pages, view videos, download assets, like take specific actions. It's hard for me to see what they want, what they're interested in. Right. And those predictive events are, you know, they're, they're opaque. But if you can make them really specific and draw lines in the sand to where they have to take this action before they can get at something, you know, you, you just put this little teeny tiny thin veil right in front of whatever the, the thing that is that is most valuable. Now you get to tag that and you get to add some amount of value to it. Now, that's great. And uh, <clears throat> well, Kasim, any parting words here is I, I think we're going to have to turn this into a two part episode. We've taken up. Ben and Sean's entire day. And Sean is like in the UK, like it's way past his bedtime. So oh, it's, it's, it's not quite that late. I have a two year old, so it's, it's nearly bedtime. But, oh, uh, right. Well, yeah, you sleep whenever you can. At least another 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> another 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank you all for listening here. Make sure that you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever they are listening. If you disagree on our uh, privacy rants here, or you like it, or you don't like it, or you think, you know, Kasim isn't as smart as we think he is, or maybe I'm not, or it doesn't matter. We love uh, the feedback that we get on uh, the ratings that you give us on iTunes. Make sure that you do do that. And we will read them out on air here at Perpetual Traffic. Uh, where can they let us know what we can do better, Kasim? Uh, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. We want to be the number one marketing podcast in the world. And we can't do that without you. You can tell us one thing that we do well, three things that we can improve upon, and other topics that you want to hear about. That includes thought leaders you want to hear from. If there's somebody you want on the show, let us know. We'll make Hector go sit on their front porch until they agree to be on our our show. And he's been known to do that, actually, on yeah. occasion. So, yeah, make sure you follow uh, me and Kasim, or Kasim and I, on Twitter. I'm at Ralph HB, and Kasim is at at Kasim Asla. I'm pretty sure he's the only one of those on Twitter. Go back and listen to the previous episodes as well. And we mentioned a fair amount of resources here, especially mentioned by Ben and by Sean, uh, some techie stuff, as well as we might even give you a link to uh, the news, you know, standard of, of iOS here for Facebook to uh, Kasim's YouTube video. Uh, all those resources are over on perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Qasem Aslam, peace. Till next show, see ya.
You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hey, PT listeners, I've been running my own business since I was 17, and I found that nothing slows down entrepreneurs more than this one pesky question, and that's what do I do next? And left unanswered, you find yourself stuck far below your potential, jumping from one shiny object to the next, perpetually wondering why other businesses are growing and yours is stuck. So that's why Scalable has put together the seven levels of scale framework. We'll give you the shortest path possible to go from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that'll give you the wealth and freedom you deserve. So stop wondering what to do next and take our free three-minute assessment today at getscalable.com slash go. That's getscalable.com slash go. And you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next.